History Matters. We are joined in the studio, as always, by the one and only Scott Washington, historian extraordinaire, to take a look back at This Week in History. Hello, how are you? Well, good, Aaron. It is good to be here. I'm always glad, we're delighted to throw you a surprise party anytime. But if you're late, that's okay. We'll just keep <laughs> that waiting. That joke was just for that, you. It was by a the real way. surprise. Yeah. It was a surprise yeah. to everybody that you didn't show up. And, uh, <laughs> anyways, um, this is a really fun week in history because there are some really uh, things related to sports. One um, is the Guinness Book of World Records. Before there was the internet, it was always like, oh, I bet, well, how would we settle a bet? And it turns out that there was this um, one fellow in England, uh, I guess he was in Ireland, Sir uh, Hugh Beaver, who um, got involved in an argument about which bird was faster, and they couldn't settle the argument, and it's in a pub, so he hires... Uh, some twins, uh, the McWhorter twins, and they begin to compile this book. Were they just also in the pub at the same time? Like, <laughs> you two over so. there. I don't think so. Creepy identical was, twins <laughs> drinking beer simultaneously. The version of this. <laughs> <laughs> and that becomes how we settle bets. Like, what's the fastest And before the Internet? Of course, now we all just pull out a phone and say, well... Look it up. They're both wearing identical bowler hats, yeah. you know. <laughs> Beanies. <laughs> Just staring like right at them. That's it. That's not it. saying a word. Okay, here's another one, um, which is uh, a name we probably have not heard of before. Um, her name is Opal, O-P-A-L, Opal Kunz, K-U-N-Z. Now, this is a woman who was born in 1894. She lives in 1967. It's kind of incredible. Um she uh, is from Missouri. Her family moves to Ma uh, Massachusetts. Uh, she goes to school in Wellesley, Massachusetts, graduates from the Dana Hall School there, and then marries. And that's probably all we would have heard of her, except like so many women, she sees a plane flying, and she's hooked. She takes lessons, 1929. Um, she gets her pilot's license. Um, then she's involved in a crash. She walks away basically unscathed. And then in 1930, she's the first woman to in, be involved in a race with men, and she wins. Nice. And uh, she begins this long career of being involved. Her plane, she always named the Betsy Ross, no matter what the plane was. And uh, all the way up into World War II, and afterwards she was training pilots. Even in 1961, um, when uh, President Kennedy's talking about going to the moon, and uh, she volunteers her services even at that point. And he, he responds with a very polite letter. But, you know, here's one of those per people we haven't heard, but she just uh, enlarged people and has, has all uh, enlarged the scope of what was possible and certainly pushed the boundaries for what women could do and uh, just by her own example and uh, helped people to have uh, the ability to soar beyond their dreams. That's awesome. I want details on this polite letter that JFK <laughs> wrote to her. How condescending well, was it on a scale of 1 to 10? Okay, well, you know, she was born in uh, She was 65 at the time. <laughs> yes, so, but that, you know, John Glenn would later on show that, hey, he, age yeah, is not a factor. Exactly. So, uh, it, it could have been, but they were also not sending any women into space at that point, uh, uh, and it would only be another year or two before uh, John Glenn would go uh, as well. Um, but that, it's a good question, and it's one of the things that she kept bumping against barriers. But like a flight, and I think that's one of the things she liked, it, she could transcend uh, those barriers 
uh, in her own way, just by sheer merit, which it's, is just great. It is really cool that they're like uh, Amelia Earhart gets all the press, but there yes. are a lot of really like cool oh. pioneering oh, women in aviation yes. in the twenties and thirties. Like, yes, really yes, cool. just yeah. and it's so exciting. They see the and they they grasp symbolically what it means to break barriers and to uh, set new records, and that's exactly what they do. Now, here's another one. Now, this is an area where, of course, basketball rivalry rivalries are huge uh, here in the Carolinas, but here is something interesting. Uh, James Nesmith, uh, who was born in 1861, he's the guy who comes up with this game of basketball. It is not meant to be competitive. <laughs> it's actually... Um, he, he, he moves to Springfield, Massachusetts uh, to uh, train for YMCA, and he's tasked with this impossible task. There's a rowdy bunch of young men. It's wintertime. Come up with a sport uh, to keep them engaged. And so he comes up with this goofy idea. He looks at other sports, apparently, and says, gee, something that doesn't involve physical contact. Mm. I know. Let's do this. We'll have a ball. And uh, instead of a goal, we'll put something up high. And he's thinking of boxes. Mm. Uh, the janitor, according to the stories, uh, couldn't find any boxes, found some peach baskets. Those were put up. And the first game, though, ends in a total free-for-all with with the dislocated shoulders and black eyes because the boys are racing down the court with the ball in hand yep. and being tackled. And it's only later he says, okay, we're going to change the rules. You can't <laughs> run with the ball. You know, So if you ever see about traveling, any of these basketball, that's where this comes from. You can't run with the ball. <laughs> He's looking at the first sheet of rules. It just says, put ball in baskets. Like, no, no, we need more. We need more. We need more. If you go to uh, uh, Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas uh, yes. at, at, uh, in Lawrence, they've got like the original yes. rules in like behind behind glass. That's uh, right. And he was the first coach. He was the first there. coach at Kansas. And the only yeah. one who had a losing record. Yep. Because <laughs> yeah, he was which, which is such a crap coach. This but guy, he like he tried to be. He wasn't thinking of being competitive. You know, it's like let's all get along yeah. and you know have some exercise. Invented the yet. game and has like no idea about the nuances or anything and just loses all the time. He's like the England of people. Come on, let's like. Sing kumbaya and run the ball down the The, the British invented tennis. They invented yes. golf. They can't win at these things, but they invented them. <laughs> uh, yes, those are the fun things that you think, what the heck? All right, well, there's a couple other people that have uh, popped up this week. One is a name we haven't heard of a lot, Benjamin Banneker, uh, born on uh, November 9th, 1731, African-American, lives to 1806, um, and is at least... The, there is some suggestion that he was involved in surveying what becomes Washington, D.C., the actual capital, uh, as well as being someone who uh, authored almanacs. Mm. Um, what is really interesting, in 1791, though, he takes Thomas Jefferson to task. He writes them. He writes them, and he actually uh, really uh, has some scathing words about uh, Jefferson, uh, you know, here is the, the Declaration of Independence, 1791. We're getting the Bill of Rights coming into effect, and he writes him, and he he says that um, uh, because of everything you're talking about, um, you you should at the same time counteract uh, uh, God's mercy in detaining by fraud and violence so numerous a part of my brethren mm-hmm. under groaning captivity and cruel oppression. Um, and Jefferson doesn't exactly do address this, but he dies in 1806. By 1808, though, Jefferson 
following what the Constitution says abolishes the international slave trade. Unfortunately, it doesn't abolish the domestic slave trade, but in a large part, that's somebody uh, being a witness and saying, no, this is wrong, and you know it, and I know it. And responding, I think, to Jefferson, if I'm remembering right, not just the fact that Jefferson is a slave owner, but also right. what he wrote about people of color in notes on the right. state of Virginia, which yes. was a, a, a book that's worth checking out, but uh, Jefferson does not, it's not a good look for Jefferson <laughs> no. when he starts talking about, when he starts talking about race. And here's Benjamin Banneker is like, I am living proof that what right. you are saying here is very incorrect. And you know, that so. is about, the, as we've discussed many times, it's about the history that moves people forward, uh, whether it's civil rights or human rights. The story that I've heard about Benjamin Banneker, and this was a this was a Paul Harvey story. So, however, however uh, seriously you take Paul Harvey as like a, a, a airtight source of knowledge, the story <laughs> that I've heard about Benjamin Banneker is he was working in and around D.C. when the city was being designed, and he was working with Pierre Lanfant, who was the the yeah. designer, the architect, the guy who actually laid out the plans for the city. Right. And there was a dispute, and Lanfant. Uh, said that's it. I'm 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 taking my ball and going home. And he like gathered up all of the the plans, like the paper designs that he'd written, and he just left. He walked out with them, and they had nothing. Wow. And Benjamin Banneker, who was working with everyone uh, on this at the time, said, "Well, we don't need we don't need the plans. We don't need the yeah. paper designs. I've memorized them. They're all in my head." And he sits down and just purely from memory recreates. L'Enfant's original design wow. for Washington, D.C., with the, the crisscrossing streets and the, the wow. mall and everything. Like, Benjamin Banneker just had that in his head because that was the, that was the level of mind that he had. Well, he was I, able to just I, recreate I it. I love this telling yeah. of the story. If that's Paul Harvey, I don't care. I love that idea that uh, he saves the nation's capital. Yeah. <laughs> so we have L'Enfant Plaza in the middle of uh, D.C., <laughs> right. but we don't have Banneker Plaza, right. and we really we need it. Uh, we yeah. have Banneker watches. That exists. That's right. But, yeah. yeah, Banneker Plaza in D.C., let's make it happen. Okay, well... Uh, we got time for one more. Okay, more. all right. Um, well, this is one that's kind of interesting, and bearing witness, uh, Helen Sussman in South Africa. Uh, she's an elected legislature during the time of apartheid and keeps being a voice uh, of reason and it keeps protesting what's going on there. She visits Nelson Mandela in prison and uh, as a result of those visits uh, really uh, institutes some change and, and and is right there when the new constitutions uh, signed when Nelson Mandela becomes president. So, you know, these are the, these are the kind of people who bear witness in their own lives. They're saying it's wrong and we should stand up for what's right and that's a good thing for us all to keep aware of. And that's why history matters. Scott Washington, thank you so much. Thank you.